What is up, everybody? It's great to be back with you on the Money Main Point. I am joined here with uh, a special guest for our first uh, first guy we got here is uh, Jeff McCarthy, our usual guy here, our lead pastor. But we also have another Jeff in town today, and that is Jeff Moss. So, Jeff, what's up, man? Hey, guys. Thank you all for having me on, man. Yeah. It's, it's been a good time in the Bull City. Absolutely, man. We're happy. We're happy you're here. I think yesterday was a was a good day for our church, and we're uh, we're excited to have you on our podcast, man. It's always good to have a have a third person because Jeff and I we're pretty direct. We're like get to the get to the outline, just talk about it, you know, snap, snap, be done. So I'm excited that I'm excited we got like a third a third dude on here today. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. As long as I'm not the third wheel, okay? No, not at all, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> but then there's two Jeff, so are you the third wheel? Yeah, that's probably what more it felt yeah. like. Because when I first got here, it was Jeff McCarthy, Jonathan, Jeremiah, and then Blake. Yeah. So <laughs> I felt like it for a while, so it's all good. It's okay. <laughs> Fit in where you can get in, man. It's yeah. all good. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, Jeff, you preached a sermon yesterday, uh, Jeff uh, Moss, that is, on where is your hope from Romans 5. So that's what our passage is going to be about. But first, I kind of, we've, uh, we've got a few new people in our church. And so anybody who, uh, any details about yourself that you might not have been able to get into yesterday, if you don't mind, share maybe a quick testimony about yourself, who you are, you know, how long you've been married, kids, whatever you'd like to do. Very good. Um, so I'm a student pastor, and I've uh, been doing student ministry since I was 17 years old. Nice. Grew up in Indian Land, South Carolina, just south of Charlotte. Um, and uh, God called me into ministry, and, and my youth pastor automatically put me to work, re- greatly influenced by my youth pastor. So um, went to college at North Greenville where I met my wife, Brittany, and and um, we've been married 13 years, going on nice. 14. So that's success, right? Um, but then uh, we've got three kids. Um uh, Riley is eight, Sarah Lynn is six, and then William, who uh, was, was two when he passed, uh, passed away back in October. So um, he's up in heaven, and, and that's that's where we're at. Uh, I'm a student pastor at Santee Circle Community Church. I, before that, I was a student pastor here at Rosa Sharon for four years. Now, when did you serve here at Rosa Sharon? Oh, my goodness. Um, 2009 to 2013. Okay. So we got married in June and we on our honeymoon we met uh, Nancy and Sonia and Jeff down in Savannah on a mission trip that we were we were on our honeymoon and we stopped by and met the kids for the first time. That's so. like the dream team on a mission team, man. Oh, you throw man. Nancy and Sonia in there, yeah, <laughs> for sure. And this, the dials were they were a huge huge uh, part of, of that early ministry. Man, yeah. those trips to Savannah were a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. So. I just came in and, and I saw how cool it was, what Jeff was already doing and had been doing for how many years, Jeff? Uh, what year was that? That was 2009. So, yeah, I came in 93, so from 93 on. Wow. 17 years, I think. I'm not good at math, but I think that's yeah. 17 years. Yeah. Something so two, like that. Yeah, because then we went to – I led two trips to Savannah yeah. um, while I was here. And then we started doing summer camp. I got you. Now, you uh, you served here while you were at Southeastern, right? Yes. All right, tell us what you studied at North Greenville and what you studied at Southeastern. So I uh, got my my bachelor's in youth ministry at North Greenville. Okay. And then um, went to Southeastern and studied. got my master's of divinity in Christian ministry. It allowed me to have the most... What's the what's the word? Hours. Kind of like freedom and yes. free, uh, most flexibility. Elective. Yeah, very electives. That's the right. Yeah, word. it's been a minute. So I did. I dabbled in Christian education, and then uh, I split that between Christian education and whatever class was free because they seminary. Um, but then also, um, <laughs> I feel that especially as a seminary, like I'm so thankful for that half tuition discount. Mm-hmm. But it's still a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. So yeah, then uh, did some counseling there, and man, I, I I put those electives to use. Counseling and education is what I what I spend the majority of my time doing. So yeah, awesome man. Well, we're happy to have you, and uh, we'll go ahead and just kind of transition to the uh, into the sermon. Let's uh let me ask you this, uh, Jeff. What what was the kind of like the reasoning behind this sermon? Um, kind of if you want to go ahead and kind of give like the reason behind the whole weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead and start with that. Well, so. 
whenever and, and Jeff McCarthy really influenced me a lot in this. And you, you don't you give a fresh sermon, you know, you, you want a fresh word from God, but the passage has to preach to the, the to the pastor first. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, just continue and thinking. Well, you know, I could. It'd be easy to pull back a, another sermon that I've done, and you like know, a back pocket sermon yeah. or something. Yeah. But then uh, through my quiet time and spending time with the Lord, just Romans five kept coming up. Just and I was as I was reading it, and I was thinking through, especially what my family and I've been going through, our community's been going through, and then also the intent of coming to see so many people who've loved on us that we that maybe weren't able to come to the memorial service for William, and and they sent so many cards. Oh my goodness! The just so that was kind of like, well, let me bring a message of what I've been clinging to and hope, and so uh, the that that passage was just kept coming up and I was like, okay, well let's dive in and start reading it. And then, you know, sometimes you want to, you take one passage and then you go, well, this passage talks about it. But man, as I was reading it, there's just so much in those five verses that that just led me to go, all right, let's just make our points straight from each verse. So that's, that's what, that was the thinking and picking that um, and, and talking about where is your hope. Nice. So like I said, uh, for the listener, it's Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And I'll go ahead and read that. And um, Jeff McCarthy, I'll ask you to pray for us after that. Right. But uh, we'll, uh, I'll go ahead and read this for us. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into his grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Good, uh, man. That's a good passage. <laughs> all right, Jeff, if you don't mind right. praying for us. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for all you do for us. And we just thank you for allowing Jeff and Brittany and uh, Sarah Lynn and uh, Riley to be here with us. And we thank you, Lord, for uh, being faithful to them through their difficulties and um, for this message that Jeff has given us. And we pray for their safety as they travel back. And um, we thank you that Jonathan was able to be here last night and be able to share and um, open up about his ministry and how we can support and pray for him. And um, I just pray, Lord, you'll continue to bless them. And uh, Thank you for this sermon and what it meant to him and what it means to us as we apply it to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. All right, so uh, pretty uh, pretty easy outline, really. It was uh, it almost seems like a little bit like of a running commentary with how close to the Scripture was. I'm like, I love it. Yes, sir. So uh, the first point you made was uh, we're justified by faith. And ju- and, yes, sir, and that justified by faith was the summary. You know, uh, Paul's very... The whole book of Romans, he's building his case, right? And so when he says, therefore, that next that claim is what he just got through talking about. So the chapter, just starting in chapter 3, leading up to chapter 4, is, is all about the justification by faith. Well, yeah, and I think that whole book, honestly, I think could revolve around that verse in Habakkuk where it's like the righteous will live by faith. Mm-hmm. That's really a prevalent theme you see through here. Um, what When we say justified by faith, Faith. What do we What do we mean by that? Well, <clears throat> what it means is that we, by faith, not not what by what we can do in and of ourselves, we put our faith in someone else to be able to justify us. And of course, the person that did that was Jesus. Mm. And um, I like when Jeff talked about justification. How um, it's it's it was it's uh, when we get down down he's going to bring it up but it's it's an act that Jesus did <clears throat> it's not something that we have to continue to do over and over and over and over and over right so when we were justified by faith um, what Jesus did on the cross took care of to to justify us before God so we can have right standing in the right position in the right place and so uh, that's forgiveness. Redemption, all those theological words we we say, and so he quoted uh, Durin Gray. Of course, quoted just about every other preacher's ever preached. <laughs> Justification <laughs> means just as if I, I have never, never sinned. Seen. So, in other words, we're sinners. We can't stand before a holy God in our state, but because what Jesus did for us, we can stand before God. Because when He looks at us, He doesn't look at us. He looks at the blood of Christ over our sins. So it's just as if we've never sinned because he's looking at what 
what Christ covered our sins. So, so we're covered or justified by faith. It comes from him. Um, there's no works or anything we can do to, to earn that. Right, and the doctrine of justification is, to me, it's, it's probably the most vital in the... If you look at salvation, you know, the rescue from sin, if you look at that as like an umbrella, if you will, under that umbrella you have justification, sanctification, and then glorification. Mm-hmm. Without justification, you don't have the chance at becoming sanctified, and you don't have the chance at becoming glorified. So justification is like the when we get saved mm-hmm. moment. So, And that's by faith, and that's... um. That's so important because there's still so many ways, even as a believer, we still think we have to earn our salvation and kind of like keep up with it. The crazy thing about salvation, you know, is that it, it was already accomplished on the cross, but we have the opportunity, right, to say, hey, this is what I believe. I step out in faith. That's the part. That, that's our part. There's, what is it? There's uh, God's part. There's our part, right? Yeah. God, God sent his son. But then we get the we get that opportunity to say yes, this is what I believe, and then that's the process of we're going to be saved, right? The, the day that Jesus comes back, the day that I don't think I've ever longed for more than than uh, these past couple months, that the day Jesus comes mm. back and yeah. makes things right. And sometimes death does that to us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it makes us <clears throat> stop and think and go, wait a minute, what am I really living for? Yeah, and with uh. And with that, we uh, your subpoint here it gives us peace through God. Justification gives us peace with God, and that's through through Jesus Christ. So the reason why Paul right here says, and Jeff reiterated it yesterday, with man and God, I think it's what is it Psalm fifty three? That's like God looks down on the earth to see if there's any righteous, and there's none. Mm-hmm. And he's as you can tell, you know, the psalmist kind of shows like God's kind of disappointed. When he looks, and there's nobody who's good, nobody who's righteous, not one. And that's because of sin. And sin is serious. And that has caused hostility between us and God. There's a deep tension there that only a God-man could reconcile with us. So that's why we call Jesus the Prince of Peace, because we're able to have peace with God. And if you want to have peace, you got to walk with the Prince of Peace. Peace. And that's only through Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ doesn't come through that, God and man are still at hostility. Okay. Not through the law, not through anything else, but with, uh, but through, through Jesus. Um, and with uh, and kind of staying on the topic of faith. Um, your second point is you it's obtained by faith into grace. Kind of elaborate on that point. If there was anything you might not have uh, been able to get to with this, go ahead and. Uh, it's all you, man. Wait, oh, so in verse 2, you know, it says, Through him we have also obtained access. Access to what? What do, you, what do y'all think he's saying there? He says, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into grace. grace. Yeah, into, this into grace. that grace. So yeah. even in the ability to even have grace is from God, and we've been given access. That's, it makes me think of a card reader, right? Yeah. Like when you walk up to it. Um, like a hotel room or yeah, something. Yeah. It gives me access to that to that spot. But that grace is through Jesus Christ, and it was <clears throat> obtained. That means what? If you say, I obtained these goods, I'm thinking like a pirate, right? I've yeah. obtained these goods for yeah. your arm. Now that's from... Uh, that's from uh, the Chronicles of Narnia. That's one of the things Reepicheep says. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I've obtained these weapons for your army and Prince yeah. Caspian. Anyway, so there's a nerd moment for you. Uh, you obtain access by faith into the grace, right? So when I was thinking that, like, what does it mean to have obtained it? Like, because I can obtain something, but it's perishable, right? It's not going to last. But if God obtains it for me, that's eternal. Mm-hmm. And that means it's, it can't run out. Right, because, like... Like, I don't know, like every, every, uh, usually about every month, we go and get lunch together. You know, we obtain food together all the time, but it don't last. (laughs) You know, it might last. Because you get hungry again. Yeah, because you get hungry again because, you know, we're finite. You know, things for the human are uh, finite things because we got to keep replenishing ourselves with it. I'm glad faith doesn't operate that yeah. way. Oh, and grace doesn't either. Jeff, Mac, you're, you still remember your acronym? I, st- I use it all the time. You use for grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Man. Man. Yeah. And the way it's obtained, too, is like, if you think about it, it's a gift. How do you obtain gifts? The only way you obtain a gift is if someone gives you a gift. Right. You just can't, like, on your own go, 
I want a bunch of gifts and you're just going to get them. Now, that's just called going shopping for yourself. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, so, so it's, it's someone else then says, hey, I'm going to provide this for this person here at my expense. It's not going to cost them anything because I love them and I care about them. And so, so when we obtain it, we don't obtain it by earning it or grabbing it or stealing it or whatever. It's, it's, it's offered, and so we obtain it when we receive the gift. We have to say, okay, I'll, I'll take what you're given, given to me, God. So there's, that's that transactional part of how faith works. Is like Because Jesus has done it. It's there. It's visible. He's on the cross. He's died for our sins. He rose again. The tomb's empty. It's provided for people, and people in America hear it a lot. You know, the gospel's been presented many, many, many times, but people look at it and hear it, but they don't really receive it. They don't obtain it. And so until, if I, if I wanted to give you a gift, until you take it out of my hands, it's still in my possession. But once you take it, then it's in your possession, and then that's how we get it. So even that is still a gift that comes from God. It's nothing that we do in and of ourselves to make 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 God say, okay, you're worthy of this gift. No, we're not worthy because we're sinners, but I'm giving it to you anyway. So. And that's the cool thing about the why I focus so much on the, the next point there, receive salvation by faith and you're preserved by good works mm-hmm. because uh, what you do with that gift is now between you and God. And like one day we'll have to answer to that. And for, for us as guys, we'll answer for our families. We'll answer as pastors. We'll answer for our, the sheep, right? That's yeah. a high calling. But even for the stay-at-home mom or for the, the widow or for even the, the kid who might be listening to this, like you're going to answer for what you've done with the, gra- the grace that God has given you. And he says that, really, like, I love that phrase. He says, access by faith into the grace in which we stand. Mm-hmm. What do you think he means there by the phrase in which we stand? So in your standing, right? Like, yeah. am I, Think about it. Am I good? Like if I have a debt that needs to be paid off, and I go to the bank and say, hey, where do I stand on my debt? How much more do I owe until I can be set free from it? I think that's a, that's a banking term that he's using there. But it's also, if you apply that to our sin, right? Where do I stand in relationship with God according to my sin? Has it been paid? Mm-hmm. Yes. But I continue to sin even after salvation, right? That's that sanctification process. And so then the sanctification process is I, my standing is in Christ by the grace of God. I can't lose it. I can't fall away from it because it's God's gift, right? But what I do with it from their point is now my, the standing becomes in the, in the balls in my hands, right? Yeah, and that um, we're all – I know both of y'all have served in student ministry. I'm doing interim student ministry, so I'm thinking I want to ask something for our students here. I know when I was in – student ministry, like going through it, and there was sometimes that really the assurance of salvation, you know, there was a big struggle with that, and I'm probably confident that both of y'all ran into that and gave some spiritual counsel to that, and yes, we're definitely saved by grace through faith and not of works, lest any man should boast, Mm -hmm. but genuine faith does produce genuine works, so for our students, who, or for anybody really, who might be struggling with like assurance of salvation, maybe like how to how to balance faith and works and works and faith. Um, what kind of spiritual counsel would you give to uh, um, to somebody who might be uh, kind of struggling with their faith, like feeling like they might have to work for it? Do I not? Like what what in the world do I do? Well, if you think from a teenage standpoint, um like everybody belongs to a family. So yeah. you got to have a mom or dad or you've got some kind of guardian. You have somebody. And so that family provides for you in so many ways that you take for granted. So, and then most parents will say, hey, I'm going to give you some chores. I'm going to give you some works to do. And if you do these works, I'm going to give you some allowance. Okay. So so we kind of have this built-in notion that we have to earn, earn grace, earn forgiveness, all this stuff. But... But um, so so what happens then, uh, if you go back to being in a family that provides for you for you and all the things you take for granted. So for us, then when we get saved, a lot of people say, OK, well, I'm saved now. I've done what I need to do. So now I can just go live my life any way I want to because like it really it. doesn't matter because I'm going to go to heaven. Well, if if God wanted this, if, the, if his main purpose in life was 
for us to be saved and go to heaven, then it would be like uh, Star wow. Trek, beam me up. I mean, just go ahead and do do the uh, just tire, you know transform me and transfigure me now. I mean, yeah. but He's put us here on this earth, and He's given us all this stuff that we all take for granted. And somehow or another, we have it in our mind, just like those kids trying to do their chores to get that or make those good grades to get that money, that somehow or another we, we've got to earn this or justify our existence in some way to get a benefit mm. when all these benefits are already given to us anyway. Mm, yeah. So your parents, whether you take the trash out or not, they're still your parents. They still love you. They're still going to feed you. They're still going to provide a home for you. They're still going to help you out if you get in trouble. They're going to take you to the doctor when you get sick. So they're doing all these things anyway. And so, so we then... Uh, what we're trying to get really the kids to do is uh, out of love and respect for your mom and dad, you're going to obey them. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And so so then when we look at God the Father that way, then we, we know that he loves us and cares about us. And we know that there's nothing we can do that he's going to disown us. Um, it's just like people that uh, if their child has a DUI or they get put in jail for something, you're you're they're never not going to be that person's mm. mom and dad. Now they may disfellowship with them, kind of disown them, write them out of the will, all that other stuff. But nothing's going to change the fact that you belong, that that you're part of that family, especially it's, in God's eyes. right? Yeah, and so with God, then once you become part of His family, you're part of the family. He's not going to disadopt you. He's right. not going to kick you out of the family. Ephesians one says we're sealed to the day of redemption. Right. So yeah. so. Uh, so if we, if we belong to him, uh, now, do I need to come to him for forgiveness when I'm disobedient, things like that? Yes, just like you would in any other relationship. But that disowning doesn't happen. Um, and so um, that's what I would try to tell tell, tell the young people, kind of go through what I just talked about. like cause, Because they're, they're conditioned... Uh, I don't know more about the younger generation now because they think everything's supposed to be given to them without any kind of works, <laughs> which maybe that, that's a better better way of looking at it. But, uh, yeah, so we're conditioned that if I work hard, I'm going to receive this benefit. And, he, like, he's dealing with athletes and all. That's always primed in there for these coaches. Like, you put in the effort, you put in the energy, you put in the works, then you're going to get good results. Well, when the good results don't come, then you're disappointed because you think I did all this work and I didn't get what I wanted, so shoot, it's dealing with the parents of the, especially in the travel balls no, and clubs, yeah. right? Oh, I don't. I, you mean I paid this much money and my kid didn't get into college? And you're like, so that's why you were doing this, right? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so when when God doesn't answer the prayers that we pray, right? Like a lot of times, it's because God knows what's best for us. He mm-hmm. sees that, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I talk to students or anybody who's struggling with their faith, sometimes, I mean, there's so much dysfunction in families. Yeah. So that, that analogy works for somebody who can, under, can relate to it. But I, I like to talk about that salvation is a journey, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it starts here, right? You're going to have ups and downs. But there's never a time where you fall out of God's grace because you are His. Now, if that person really meant that, that's what you and I, mm-hmm. when we were serving here, we had these conversations, man. And I, I still think that th- there's people who prayed a prayer and did not, they were not mm-hmm. sincere. Right. How do we know that person was not sincere? Because they did not grow in their faith. When you can tell them by their fruits, too. That's right. Yeah. Their faith didn't work, literally, right? right. Like, I yeah. mean that, right. like, work-based. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and so the, the idea that if somebody's in Christ, they're going to continue in Christ. Right, like uh, I wrote one of my papers in college, and it was a really bad paper, but it was my first tackle of on the P of Tulip, right? The perseverance of the saints, and yeah. I said my my whole point was I think it's both. It's perseverance and the preservation. God preserves that person who prayed that prayer in sincere faith, but it's also it has to be followed with perseverance on our part to pursue after God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think um, I think something too that I'd throw in is a lot of times we can get confused between feelings versus fact. Mm, come on, man. Um, I'll, I'm going to be straight up honest. There are some times I do not feel saved because I'm like, wow, I'm a wretched sinner. Well, remember Satan, what what, what does the, the scriptures tell Satan? He's a master of lies. Yeah, he's a, he was a deceiver from he's the He's a deceiver. Yeah. So that's it, he doesn't have to get us to 
not believe in God anymore. He has to get us to doubt that we are. Mm-hmm. And you go back to the garden. That's what he did with Adam and Eve. It's all about yeah. doubting God's he word. put that question in there. Did God really say it, mm-hmm. right? So when, there's all we all have moments of doubt. And I'll tell my personal story, when I was 12 years old, first time at youth camp, the Thursday night, super emotional youth group thing, right? Mm-hmm. A pastor got up and said, if you're not 100% saved, you're 100% lost. Mm. And I went, huh. So I need to make sure that, but that he, that God used that for me to go and have the conversation, right? Right. But there's a lot of people who are scared into salvation for that, right? Mm. And that, but the truth is, like, we've got to understand that. And it, at 12 years old, I didn't know. Thankfully, I didn't know everything, <laughs> right? And sometimes we, as, as, as students, they always think they have to have the answer when it's it's not. You're not there yet. You're not mature enough to handle it. There's adults in Scripture who didn't know the answers. I mean, you look <laughs> I at don't Job. Know the yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, that's one of the best answers yeah. you can give to somebody. And, is, I don't know. And we got degrees in it. I mean, honestly, yeah. if if people should know the answers, I mean, it should be people with degrees. But we know where to look. Right. Right. And we know where we to research. To look for and go to and and you know, like we've had a lot of philosophical discussions here. You know, with Jonathan Jeremiah, especially. And my answer to a lot is like, well, we're going to know one day when we get to heaven. And I'll ask God, like, why yeah. did you, whatever theological thing we were discussing that they were trying to pinpoint. And I think that kind of goes back to what you were saying, and we kind of have a brief discussion about. I think during the Reformation and during the time, age of reason and all, they were trying to take faith, and they were trying to you try, trying to take like scientific 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 method to. You're good. Explain fact. Yeah. So they came up with that whole uh, the tulip thing. So so it was just a way of rationalizing faith so that you could put handles on it. And I, my answer is always: if faith is faith, then if you try to rationalize it, then you've taken yeah. faith away mm-hmm. because you can't really rationalize. Now you can have handles and all to help you understand things, but God's God, and um, sometimes we don't understand. But we do know this: Jesus said. Those that you've given to me, I've placed in my hand, and no one can pluck them out of my hand, which means basically what most people think they, they're doing is they think they're plucking themselves out of God's hand. Like, if I sin, God's not going to love me anymore, and he's going to kick me out of the family, wow. and I have to be resaved and all to get right. back into his hand. But no, you're still in his hand. He's still holding on to you. You may have lost your grip on him a little bit, and it's time for you to hold back onto him. Not your circumstances, not your sin. Like Jeff was talking to in in his message about you know just telling to let sometimes you have to let go well let go of your sin circumstances everything else you're looking at and then grab back hold of God yeah so. for sure and I think with faith and like the reason part I think there's a there's a healthy healthy balance you know what that balance is I I don't know <laughs> you know but I'm still figuring it out yeah huh? still trying to figure it out I'll let you you know if I ever figure it out promise I'll let you know doubt I will but with uh with faith just remember it's your what's fact is you are a child of God you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus nothing can separate you from the love of God and I think Paul says that mm-hmm. again Romans somewhere eight. yeah Romans 8 nothing principalities evil whatever can separate you from the love of God that is truth that is fact so don't let the feelings drive the facts try to let your Try to let your facts drive the feelings. Did I say that right? No. So, okay, all right. so in counseling, that's that was. I mean, that you know, I, I mentioned uh, last night yeah. about the counseling that my wife and I have been going through, and and that's uh, things that we already knew, but when you still need to be reminded of, and you know, when I'm feeling like you know, I'm feeling depressed, or I'm feeling anxious, or I'm feeling whatever, I, the facts have to bring me back to the truth, because if not, then I'm. That's that's why people get lost, right? Like they get lost in themselves. I'm not talking about lost salvation was, mm-hmm. but they'll they'll get lost in their depression. And like you know, it's there's some a lot of that going on post COVID that we're finding out yeah. that mm-hmm. some of the effects of people not leaving their house out of mm-hmm. fear. But it's not just fear of I'm getting sick. It's fear of what might happen. That's called anxiety, right? Yeah. When you start getting afraid of something that hasn't happened yet. Right, and then so where I'm at in in our grief is I find myself a lot of times going, man, I never got to teach my son how to throw a ball, or I never got to talk to him about being a godly man. I mean, as a two year old, I did right, right? but but I I I I go, wait a minute, that's a feeling. 
the fact is those things never happened. So I'm mourning something that never happened. Right. Mm. A future grief. Yeah. yeah. And so then I go, wait a minute. Where is he? I'm reminded by the truth. Yeah. My son is in heaven, right? He is no longer pain, no more sorrow. And, and so in the middle of our trials, going back to doubt, when we doubt whether God is good, like where does that lie coming from? That's from the enemy, right? Yeah. And so I talk a lot with my in counseling about learning to discern the voices that we're hearing, and I'm not talking schizophrenia, right? Right, I'm talking, right, right, right. Like when you the, start hearing the, that, the impulse, whether it's your conscience or the Holy Spirit or some influence outside. And we have to. Paul said to take captive every thought and submit it to God. So I can take captive that thought and go, where is this coming from? Is this God speaking to me? Because if it is, it's going to sound a lot like love. It's going to sound a lot like Okay, yes, you're sinning, but it's going to bring conviction to change. Now, what does Satan do? He throws guilt and shame in our face. Yeah. He calls us by our sin. Because Christ took that on the cross. He took he t- took away guilt, took away shame. That's so if right. we're feeling that, then we know that it's not of God. And that's justification, right? right? We've been made right with God to the point that when, when we're tempted to doubt, if we are right with God, we're reminded of what Jesus did. Because we've been declared not guilty. Amen. Yeah. That was the MacArthur quote I had, is that yeah. it was a one-time declaration with ongoing consequences. Yeah, like not that. an ongoing conversation. Yes. Like, we're not continuously being justified. Yeah. And, um, you know, while we're kind of on the topic of, like, um, biblical counseling, and I think you might have mentioned this some uh, last night with, uh, with the Q&A, and I was kind of in and out with kids and trying to come in and listen here and there. But um, is... I think a connotation sometimes is, well, if I have to go to counseling, if I have to get advice from somebody, I'm not living in faith. What what would be, and obviously we all three would strongly disagree with that. Yes. I honestly think, because uh, a couple of years ago, I had to go to counseling for something. And looking back, I mean, I felt the same way. I'm like, man, I'm a pastor. Why am I? I'm like, I should be the one doing this for others, you know. I, I'm usually not the one having to answer the questions, you know. You know, it just it felt like the roles were reversed, but it was good. Well, pride keeps us from asking for help. That's a good point. And Satan knows exactly what we're prideful in. Yeah. And he will throw that in our face. Oh, and and sometimes that that pride keeps us from getting to the point where we say, "I need help," but then, but then it keeps us back from doing the things we're supposed to. Even though you know, like we talked about, we know what we're supposed to do. But we continue. Paul said that, right? He said, mm-hmm. the things I want to do, I don't Chapter do. And yeah. what I don't want to do, I do. There you go, right? Like, yeah. I actually think going to, I think seeking spiritual advice, getting help is actually an outworking of faith. Mm. Looking back at kind of like some of the experiences I had now, I think it's actually, if you don't, it's, to me it kind of seems like, oh, I might be treading on thin ice here, <laughs> but less than going out and like seeking help. I think is a greater act of faith in my mind personally. Y'all might disagree. Well, you have to be careful too, right? Yeah. Like just like you know, I quoted uh, John John MacArthur right now. You better go check the source, right? You know, uh, Paul praised the Bereans because they didn't just take him at his word. And anytime you hear that, so if I go and say, "Oh, you're a counselor, please help me," you got to be careful That's because true. some people are going to say, "Oh, you just need to find the light within," or you need to find help mm-hmm. with. You just need to go be happy. Man, the marriages end every single day in divorce because people aren't happy. Right. Yeah. Right. They forget they made a covenant before God. Yeah. Right. And God said, "What was the the vows for better and for worse?" Right. Yeah. Well, well, for sickness and health till death do you part. You made that vow before God. Like, mm-hmm. and so that's something that's, that's serious. And I'm not trying to throw shame, but I'm trying to help us understand that, like, like when when it comes to what god has done in our part we have to make sure that we're that we're we're hearing from god more than we're hearing from things in this world and so a counselor that's going to point you to biblical truths right and i'm not saying the bible is the only means like cuz there's um, for an instance there's a, a young girl who was on fire for jesus but then she came to me and said hey i'm having suicidal thoughts mm. and i was like where did this come from? Like you, you're reading your Bible every single day. And she's like, I don't, I don't know. So we sat down and talked with her and, and through a, a, a semi formal counseling process, we discovered like 
wait a minute, she just started taking some birth control pills to help out with a medical condition, and that changed her hormone level. Mm. So then we went to a medical doctor, and the medical doctor prescribed her medication and changed that dosage. And so there's there's med- God's given us wisdom, yeah. right? We're in the city of medicine, right? right? Yeah. Medicine isn't the only fix, right? Right. But but Jesus is part of the solution. Yes. And we all, it always has to be part of the solution. Yeah, for sure. And there's you know I think of things like like PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's some good scriptures to try to memorize, like uh, the Lord is my refuge. Um, Psalm 23, right? Yeah, the Lord Psalm is my shepherd. The Lord's what I, you know, the Lord's my shepherd. I have all that I need. I, I lack nothing. Those are good scriptures to memorize. But uh, there does come a point, like with some PTSD, like if a veteran's coming back from war or something, professionalism is needed there Yes, with with that. So um, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because I think... Um, I can't remember if it was you or you who were saying it, which I know for the listeners, like, what you are you talking about? <laughs> J-Mac or J-Mo. J-Mac or J-Mo. Um, talking about, you know, maybe some older generation might have leaned away from it, whereas this generation seems to be really like yeah, was Bali. Him. Yeah. And I think, uh, don't get me wrong, my generation can screw up a lot of things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think that's where we have it right yeah. on, on that part. And with... Um, and with the faith and the works, um, it, it definitely goes back to Christ's work on the cross, which causes us to rejoice in hope, like in your third point, because because we have peace with God. We know that we can go to Christ. First, one of my favorite verses in all scriptures, First Peter, uh, First Peter 5. Uh, there you go. Just go for it. Yeah. Just go for it. It's you got it. Cast, you got the right trait. Yeah. Call, uh, cast all your cares on him. him because he cares for you. Yeah, because he cares for you. It's somewhere in First Peter. <laughs> Don't ask me. I'm just a pastor. <laughs> but uh, we can rejoice in that hope. And we can rejoice with that hope because that's going to be a lasting hope that can get us through some tough times. So, And I know... Um, and. Feel free to say as much as you want or as little as you want, but I know uh, the last few months haven't been a haven't been a walk in the park for you. The the to be able to um, rejoice and remember uh, we we talked about that Greek word also meant boast. Yeah. To boast in hope of the glory of God, like that's the only thing that's gotten us through is that we know that this is not the end. Mm. Like you know, Paul said it uh, to breathe to live as Christ to die as gain in. And he said he didn't know which one was better. And so, like, uh, during the process, and I didn't get to share this, uh, when when William was in the hospital, I mean, it was 36 hours from, uh, it was a Saturday night, and then he passed officially on Monday, but um, Sunday morning when they had to put him on, it was called an ECMO machine, he, he, he was coded, and they resuscitated him back, but it was just, it was not good. Um, but while I was there, I, the first thing that came to mind, and, you know, I— I think so much about King David. I resonate with him so much because he, who's such a mighty man of God, who pursued God, but then he had the big moral failure, right? And that's as pastors, like we're really conscious of. I don't want to be in the news for that, right? <laughs> like, right, yeah. like especially I, in the last few years. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. be the the next um, Robbie Zacharias or Johnny Hunt. I mean, right. but you know, I know his case anyway. But the the thought that came to mind was, you know, I've hidden your word in my heart, so I not sin against you. And so then in that, so what came to mind in my time of trial was exactly what David did when with Solomon, or not Solomon, the the son that he had with Bathsheba. Yeah. That he mourned. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, he he did not eat. He did not, he fasted. He prayed. And so I just took my cues from that. So in that hospital room, I, I was on my knees. Uh, so I, I was messaging people, asking them to pray. And my best friend said, start filling the room with, with God's word. And so I started playing music. I started playing it. And I started reading scripture. And then um, while we were there, this is probably the coolest moment the whole time. Uh, our worship pastor, this is back in 2020. His name's Rick Cruz. He, uh, all three of us pastors got COVID at the same time. Well, he ended up spending 40 days in the hospital, 32 wow. of those on a ventilator. Mm. And I remember God uh, it just through his, my time in, in his word just saying, go and sing over him. And I was like, you want me to sing? Well, he said, well, he's not. He's unconscious. He's not going to hear it, right? So um, his sons, uh, his three sons, two of them were, were coming to see his dad for the first time. And so I went with them into that hospital room during COVID. So that's already an act of God. Right. 
and I, and I just sing, it is your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to him. And one of our, I remember really quickly, um, that night before we had a prayer meeting, and somebody, uh, one of my youth leaders said, God, just let him come home for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, right. God, just save him. Like, Because I, I knew how dire it was. Mm-hmm. And they were thinking kind of more like carnally, I felt, in that time. That man went home two days before Christmas. Wow. Wow. And it wasn't anything like special, miraculous, but I saw that. So anyway, Rick's story was uh, we walked with him through this. So then in my time of need, Rick was the one who was there with me. And so um, when it was kind of getting toward the end when we were going to have to make a decision on right. like taking him off of life support. Uh, Rick and I were, were in the room, and we just started reading Scripture. And it was like the Holy Spirit met us in that room. And it was, I mean, it wasn't like, a, like I've got all these things memorized, but we went to the Psalms. Yeah. We started reading Psalms 23. We read Psalm 50. We read, we, we turned to uh, um, the, the prophets and we started just reading back and forth. And it was almost like a concert of the Word of God. And I can't tell you, right after that is the first time I ate. Wow. Because like the whole time I, I couldn't, I couldn't eat. Right. But then I, I knew that he was, God had him. And uh, the, just the peace of God filled me. So that when we, when we left that hospital room, it, yeah, it, it's, it is horrible to lose a son. Mm. But I was talking with um, one of the church members uh, who lost their husband last night. And, and she was like, I don't know how you're getting through this. I said, I don't know how you're getting through right. that you lost a spouse. Grief affects us all, yeah. whether it's a, you know, it's a cousin or a, a great aunt or, that we're really close to, or it's a, a, someone in your own immediate family. Right. And the, what gets us through is that point, right? It's it, the, the work of Jesus on the cross causes us to rejoice or boast in the hope that we have. Yeah, and so, you know, you mentioned David. When, when that point came in his life about that young child, you know, he came to the conclusion, like, if he can't come to me, I'm going to come. Yes. I'm going to go to him. So that mm-hmm. was like a, 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 a foreshadowing of the resurrection, uh, eternal life, being with God in, in that which gives us hope too, um, because we we were talking about covenant theology and all. The reason that people wanted to baptize infants because they felt like if they weren't baptized, you know, into the church, where are they going to go? Well, we we believe by faith in what the God's word says that that William is there. It has nothing to do with him being baptized or not. That God has taken care of him anyway, and you can use that scripture from David that I'm going to go see him. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's you know I had you know similar. I lost my mom and my two brothers, and I had this injury all in one year. And so you know I felt I felt the ton of like depression and everything. And I'm, so I'm stuck at my house. I can't do anything as I was recovering. But you know the church family and all helped me out as well. So. Um, you know, it's, the the thing is that when we look back at it, is how is God going to get glory out of it? And mm. you know, we don't want, we, we feel like sometimes I don't want to be put in this position, but we're in the position. We can't change the circumstances. So now, how am I? Um, you know, what's God trying to teach me through this? And then how can I help other people who are going through similar circumstances? Maybe not be the exact same thing, but. Everybody, I mean, our, our world is full of pain and hurt and brokenness and suffering, period. Whether you're saved or not saved. I mean, look at, look at all those people grieving over in Turkey. Yeah. You know, I think 70,000 people and plus. Yes, a is, big number. They, we just don't know. And so you're like, you got all these people grieving and the vast majority of them have no hope because they don't have what we're, we're having this discussion about. They don't have this hope. Their hope is in a false god, or their hope is in their own belief system, or science, or whatever. Uh, I think in Turkey, maybe maybe point zero one percent might be a believer. It's not. Uh, so yeah. So, but the good thing about it through that tragedy over there is Samaritan's Purse and the Baptist Men and other group relief organizations are there and in their comforting people and providing relief. You know the word's going to get out, and so people will come to know come to know Christ as a result. So, you we, know, you know, but it's hard because we we don't want to be the we don't want to feel like. But but when we look at ourselves as we're in this we're with, we're in this thing with everybody else too, that everybody is going through things, 
And if I can help someone else see that they can get through this journey and God can use your story to help his story, mm-hmm. then that helps us all. So. Well, and that's like a, I know some people preach like when Jesus is out on the boat and the storm comes with the disciples and they preach about uh, Jesus calms the storms. I'm like, give me a break. I'm like, that's not what that passage is saying. Okay. But he is with them in the storm. And he hasn't promised to like negate the storms, but to uh, but to be with you through mm-hmm. the end of the day. You know, he's with you. He's with you through the fire. And um, I think that's a that's a great reason to rejoice because like we do have God with us with the Holy Spirit, and um, like He is with us in the storm. He might not always calm it, but He is going to work through it, and it's eventually going to point towards point towards his glory which I think is a like what you said here and um, and that can knowing that God's going to get glory I think can cause us to rejoice in in sufferings you know uh, um, I just did two couple weeks ago I was in the Beatitudes with my students and uh, verse 4 of chapter 5 Matthew chapter 5 uh, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted Yeah. and one of my points was either he's God or he's not Right, and either his word is true or it's not. Yeah. And so I, I was thinking, uh, you know, continued the God's word continued to just flood me and and come in because in our trials, and this is uh, one of my favorite pastors uh, down in Monts Corners, name is Mickey White. Uh, he said, "When you're squeezed, what's in you comes out." Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's if you, if you're feasting on the word of God, if you're spending time in His presence. That trial, like that's why we should expect trials because sometimes that's the way it comes out mm-hmm. is through trials and tragedies. You guarantee you that God is not pleased that seventy thousand people died in Turkey. No, but will God use that? That yeah, He will yeah. absolutely use because He yeah. doesn't waste a single thing. No, He doesn't waste pain. No, He doesn't. Now, what we do with that pain is up to that's where we have a little bit of that free will right where do i take it and just hold on to it or do i release it and ask god to heal me like uh oh man that was the woman who who had been bleeding for for multiple years comes mm-hmm. to him and he says somebody's touched me right yeah and and that idea of that woman just just getting to jesus and being healed like he turned around and stopped what he was doing to look at her and see what your faith has healed you, right? Like, so the big question that I've been going struggling with is, God, did I not have enough faith? Mm-hmm. And and the answer, hundred percent, is no. That's not. That's not. You're asking the wrong question. Mm-hmm. And uh, through counseling, we said, well, you know, why did this happen? Well, we can't. Uh, Isaiah forty. Who can understand the mind of God? Right. Right. Like we can't under uh, Romans eleven quotes as well. Going back to Romans, right? That. The mind of God, we will, we will never be able to understand this side of eternity. But one day, and our counselor said this perfectly, especially for my wife who's a math major, mathematician, there's this formula up here where all of this makes sense, but we don't understand the math. Mm-hmm. And we can't figure out yeah, the formula. Good. And I went, like, it just brought me a piece to go, okay, I don't have to know why. Right. All I got to know who. Yeah. And that's what's been helping us through this. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with asking that question why i know some people are like well demand the, the problem comes when we demand it right because yeah. i know a lot of people are like i know it's wrong to question god and i'm like well no hold on They're, hold take on the, take the psalms out of the bible yeah, yeah well, right I mean, you've got a whole book with lamentations <laughs> yeah. I mean, the whole book is lamenting yeah, yeah. i mean I, I i think it's jeremiah or the book of job all, all yeah that. i mean there's about well my distinction i make with that is it's okay. It's it's okay to ask questions of God, but we have to be careful not to question God's goodness. Yes. Right. Like question who He is and demand an answer. Because like you look at Job, <laughs> he didn't really get an answer. He tried it. He tried, he tried a little bit, and then God spends those last two chapters going, uh, "Where were you when I pulled the Leviathan by the hook out of the yeah. like?" It's like right? a big like, mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, remember Job's response. He goes, "Okay, I speak of things I do not know." Right? <laughs> Talk about getting humbled. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can. You go ahead, big boy. You can, if you want to pull up your britches and question God, just be ready. He's going to humble you. Yeah, and with and I think with trial, I know like with me personally, and I'm sure y'all can attest this too. But um, like with trials, looking back, I'm almost now. I'm, I can't say I'm thankful for every trial I went through, 
But there's some I can look back and be like, you know, the Lord really used that to make me more like his son, Jesus, which is kind of like I think what you were getting at with suffering produces endurance, endurance with character, character with hope, and that hope don't, doesn't push to shame. I'll let you elaborate. Let me speak to the person who's in the middle of that. Yeah. God, what? why? why I'm struggling with this. In the middle of it, you you might not understand it, but looking back, you've got to have faith, right? Like mm-hmm. that God is good and He is working these things out for His glory. Romans eight twenty eight, mm-hmm. right? That that if I'm in right mindset with Christ and I'm continuing to pursue after Him, in the middle of my trial, I'm not. It's not going to make sense. Mm-hmm. But as as I was uh, sharing with several others, one of my best friends called me two days after William had passed. And uh, he said, you know, how how's everybody? I said, man, my girls are a mess, you know, as obvious. And and he said, how about you? I said, I I'm I don't understand it. Like it's, I'm just I'm calm. Like I'm, I feel like I'm having to be strong for others. But God's giving me what I need. And he said, Jeff, are you really trying to sit here and tell me that you're you figured out the peace that passes all understanding? And I just started laughing. I'm like, that's exactly what it is. Like, it's mm-hmm. that's that's it. It's the peace that passes yeah. all understanding that will guard my heart in Christ Jesus. Yeah. So that that it, you talked about the rejoice in sufferings because we know that the sufferings are going to produce something in us, yeah. not in the moment. Right. I can choose to rejoice, but that's a process, right? right? Like when when you first get the diagnosis, you've got that you know the big C word. You you're gonna you might fall apart. Mm-hmm. But um, as one of my uh, my boss with FCA, uh, Clint, who was a pastor counselor, counselor as well, he said, you're not going to go crazy. He told me that four, probably five days in a row. And I was like, okay. But I kept going back to it because in those moments of, oh, gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm wallow, wallowing in this wave of grief, I'm not going to go crazy. I'm going to get through this because God is with me. Right. Yeah. And I thought about, um, I don't know why this came. I was thinking last night about Romans and you know how this stuff builds on each other. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And what came to mind was like Romans is kind of like the Lego block of the Bible. Mm. And all this stuff, like if you take that whole, I mean, because you can't really understand Romans, but it all kind of like builds on each other and it connects together. And so if you if if you're do Legos and you can see some very like some of these people can build all kind of crazy stuff with Legos. The Lego oh, masters, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing the things they can do, but it's all it's one Lego at a time to get to get to this thing Big that's being built. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, same thing with us is like, you know, we're stepping on Legos and it hurts. <laughs> you know. Uh we, and we feel the pain of it, but we don't see the process that all this is really being put together for for our good and for God's good. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, that just came to mind, like how, how Paul is just trying to bring it all together for these Romans, uh, which includes us, you know, because we're Roman, we're Gentile, uh, we're believers. And, um, and, and so he's writing to a, a group of Christians in a, in a uh, empire yeah. that had their act together through roads, organization, um, government, everything, the peace of Rome, you know, that we've got it together. And so you're right to these, these, uh, you know, very uh, metropolitan Christians that had education, they had everything. It's like, okay, you think you got it all figured out, but you really don't. I don't even have it figured out, but let's, I'm going to write you a letter that kind of helps you see how all this stuff is connected in some way. If you have faith. Yeah, so. and God will, uh, kind of using like that Lego illustration, he'll use specific trials. Um, I'm not saying that's the, why he, you know, I'm not saying he causes them. Don't hear me wrong there. Yeah, He will use them to, you know, kind of one by one in that process of sanctification. Yeah, J- with, James hits that up, right? He says, yeah. he says, for you know that the testing of your faith, this is chapter 1, verse 2, 3, and 4, uh, produces uh, steadfastness or endurance, right? And it it has to have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, not lacking anything. Mm-hmm. So we got to go through some stuff. And like, man, I can't tell you how many times I've I've counseled young people who just want to quit. 
And that's, you know, that's the problem with suicide is that people think that's an easy out to a hard solution. When God's going, man, if you'll just trust me, if you'll just hold on a little bit longer and know that I'm good, then, then you're going to get through this and see that this was for your good and for my glory. And God's going to use it. Man, uh, I, had a, I had a young girl come to me and say, you know, she was abused by a stepfather. And, and she's mad at God because God allowed this to happen. And I said, quit blaming God for someone else's sin. God didn't cause that person to sin, but he gave them the free will, and he did that. And that's a part of the fall. We live in a broken world. I'm so sorry that you went through that. But I, the, the counsel I gave her is, instead of looking back at why did this happen, look at back, at, look forward to what God's going to do with you. Like I, I've tried to help her get on, in the mindset that, hey, God can take this, and you can turn around and help other people, right? That was one of my the points there. Character produces hope. What you're going through isn't just for you, right? Like, but by yeah. you being faithful—that's a good word. By you being faithful, it's going to produce hope in other people. Yeah. And so that hope in the last part there was the hope does not put us to shame, right? Mm-hmm. Hope does not let us down, right? Christ, unlike the Carolina Tar Heels. Okay? But anyway. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny you brought that up because. Uh, they were uh, Hubert Davis. They were asking him about you know uh, how is he going to get his guys motivated and do they have a chance? And he said, "Well, I think we still have a chance." He said, "Because I have faith in them." And he quoted, uh, "Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of not Hebrews eleven things 1. not seen." So he's like, "I've got the faith; these guys are going to do it." But you know, the evidence has got to follow. Mm. You know, so uh, yeah. And, and you take him, for example, and he's a Christian, uh, outspoken Christian. Everybody knows he's a Christian. And so a lot of his criticism is he's too nice, he's too good. Like a Christian can't be a fierce competitive, competitor in a thing. So, it's a, so a lot of the people are criticizing him because they think he's not the guy that's going to go in there and start cursing and throwing things around and making them run. Yeah, he's too good. And that was the big thing they complained about Roy is that he did those things, right? Yeah, yeah. But he got so, results apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean. I <laughs> know what it's like to be a Wake Forest fan yeah. all these years now. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. I feel no sympathy at well, all. You're called the Demon Deacons. I'm well, just saying. That's man. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's uh, – you know, we're all going to go through struggles. Yes, right. And we don't know why. We don't understand. We don't know uh, what's, what God's putting us through. But if we trust him, he's going to build the character in our life that we're going to be the person we need to be in it. So, mm-hmm. you know, like when I got injured and all, and like, you know, one of the things is how can I be a better pastor because of this? Well, I'd never, first of all, I'd never been in the hospital, spent the night in the hospital, never had surgery, major surgery or anything like that. So, and so for all these years, I'd visited people in the hospital, prayed with them, sat with them and all that, but really never really, you know, I, I could think about, you know, my parents and things like that. But for me personally, you know, I went through something that everybody else is going through. And so I think when we see that things happen to us, that we have to step back and say, you know, other people are going through difficult times and some are even worse than what I'm going through and it helps you kind of relate better to people and try to be a better pastor try to be a better minister and then it gets you past the con- uh, the uh, awkwardness of a conversation you're like look you know if I can go through this I can talk to this person that's going through a difficult time or, and I can share my story you know mm-hmm. whether they listen to to it or apply, apply it to their life uh, that's up to them, but it gives you the freedom now to say, hey, I can tell my story and try to help this person in their story. I mean, I'll tell you this. Uh, that's probably been one of the biggest surprises of going through this is that everyone finds a, they, they If they've gone through grief, they find a way to relate to you by sharing their dirt, their deepest hurt. And so my counselor heart just goes, oh, and I was having, I was having a hard time sleeping the first couple of weeks because I was going to bed thinking about, man, I didn't know that. I, I found out so many people had lost children that I never knew of because they don't want to talk about it. Right. Because depression seeks in. They go, well, I don't want to talk about it because I don't want everybody else to be sad. Well, and most people look at pastors like, you've got it all together because, mm. unfortunately, Which that's is what not people, true. Yeah, hey, that's what people <laughs> look think. Look at us. Not true. Yeah. A, B, and C right here, right? <laughs> but they, I mean, in their mind, you're sitting on a pew and they're thinking, they can't relate to me. They've got it together. They're a man of God. You know, they they pray. They read the Bible. They're, 
you know, they, they understand this stuff. And, and all we're doing is taking tools that we learn and applying it better. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody could do it um, if they were just trained properly. Um, but, you know, we are speaking for God. And so that's why it's important for us to be as open as, and honest as we can and transparent. We don't have to go into all the gory details of our past and things like that we're going through. But we can share enough that people understand and know that, okay, um, and all these people in the Bible that we put on a pedestal to, you know, you read some of these older commentaries and talk about the Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints, and they, they put all these guys on pedestals. You're like, no, 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 no. Well, it's no. like, it's like we can't obtain to that kind of faith. No, no we can, you know, because they were people. They weren't on these pedestals. The only person ever on a pedestal was put on a pedestal called the cross. Yeah, come on. You know, and he's the one that we're going to bow down to, and he's the perfect one. And so we have to say, no, I'm I'm down here at the bottom of the foot of the cross like you are, and I have to pick up a cross and carry it. I'm not perfect, but I know the one who is. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think it's in Hebrews that says um, he was... Jesus was tempted. We have a great high priest who was tempted. Tempted in all ways like we are, yet without sin. Yeah, yeah. without sin. And, Grant, you might not be going through a temptation, but you might be going through um, some heartache and some grief. Um, well, you, there's temptation there, Blake. Yeah, that's because true. Because the temptation that's is true. to question God, right? Yeah, and, that's and true. The, and so uh, that was in counseling. He was like, we need to make sure that you're not sinning in your grief. And I went, whoa, I didn't... And you know, here's the the goody two shoes boy yeah. and me going. Wait a minute, wait, whoa, did I did I like so like when we we have to be careful that even while we're going through something that the temptation is is all there's always a temptation and it's either to to trust God or to not trust God in any area whether it's uh, going on a diet and eating right yeah. or whether it's not cussing or not cheating on a spouse or whether it's I'm going through a hard time and I don't you know. Is it is God big enough to handle us being angry at Him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we we don't we don't need to stay there, right? Right, because if we stay there, then that's we're not. Yeah, that's where it gets problematic. And that's what for you know confessing and repenting come in. We have right. to be able to do those things. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it I want to be an encouragement if you're going through grief of any sort. Know that, like I said, we have a great high priest who he he wasn't um void of feeling those same things i mean jesus wept that was our sermon that was the sermon at williams funeral yeah jesus wept he wept in the garden says he was sweating like drops of blood mm-hmm. i don't know about y'all but i've never been so anxious i've sweated drops of blood you know but we didn't yeah we didn't know we were going to the cross right like, if we knew it too right yeah. yeah that's kind of where you know if i if God would just tell me everything, I would be okay. No, you wouldn't. You would be you'd be a worse mess because you knew it would be coming. Yeah, right? and like even when Jesus is on the cross, He even says like, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" And, right. and I'm not saying you got to understand the Trinity, but with the Trinity, there's a union. Mm-hmm. To me, that's sounding like He doesn't even feel that union hardly mm-hmm. because of all the pain and all the guilt and all the shame that He's taken on the cross. But the beautiful thing is he rose again, gave us that resurrected hope that we can have to live out and um, really uh, really be a uh, encouragement for anybody like we were saying who were going through this. So we'll, uh, we'll kind of close it out with that. Fellas, I've had a blast talking with y'all today. Jeff good. Miles, thank you for coming on today. It's been a lot of fun. Man, uh, thank you guys for letting me hang around a little bit too. This yeah, has been- oh, yeah. absolutely. The invitation is open anytime. Yes, sir. For sure. Well, Jeff- I, if I need to call in or something, let me know. But if you guys continue to pray for us and our yeah. ministry with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes as we're continuing to try to serve the church, but also now stepping out into the mission field, the schools, uh, that would be fantastic. We'll pray for you as we close out. Jeff, what are, what are we looking at this coming Sunday? I'm looking at those two roads, the narrow and the broad. Okay, mm. what uh, what passage? Uh, well, yeah, I knew he was going to ask me, but I wasn't going to look it up. But it's, it's in the Gospels, <laughs> one of the Gospels. So we know it's at least in one of the it's four. Either in Mark, it's in Mark or Matthew. It's, uh, it's, I, I, both of them are basically saying the same thing, but I haven't picked out which one. Okay. Matthew 7. Matthew 7. Yeah, maybe Matthew 7. So. Okay. All righty. Well, we will leave you in suspense to see which one he chooses on Sunday. <laughs> um, let's, uh, Jeff, we'll pray for you, and then um, we'll close this out. Lord, we uh, we thank you that you've allowed us to come together as brothers and talk today. Lord, I pray that this uh, podcast is uh, for this week will be an encouragement 
not for just this week, but for weeks to come. For anybody who uh, might be going through grief, Lord, somebody who might be questioning you, somebody who might not feel your goodness, Lord, help them uh, remind them that uh, you're a good, good God who loves his children and desires for those who are not his children to be his children through his son Jesus with his life, death, and his resurrection. And, Lord, we thank you for justification. We thank you that we have hope that can get us through the darkest of times, Lord. Lord, do want to continue to pray for our brother here as uh, he goes and ministers, Lord. But pray that uh, through the Spirit and through his community there and through his community here, Lord, do pray that uh, just give him, continue to give him and his family the comfort and the peace that passes all understanding, God. Give him, uh, give he and his wife wisdom on how to lead their, continue to lead their children through this, God. Um, be with uh, be with his girls as uh, they uh, as I know they were talking a little bit in children's church yesterday how they've kind of grieved Lord be with them and Lord I pray that um, through through all this you would continue to get the glory Lord and think that the example that they put forward and Lord just uh, we thank you for your goodness even through even through hard times we ask this in your name Amen Amen All righty well that is uh, going to conclude it for this week of the Monday Main Point and uh, if you got any questions or anything feel free to reach out. Uh, on uh, through the church office or through a website or through uh, you know just contacting me or Pastor Jeff we'd love to be able to talk with you answer any questions you might have thank you so much for tuning in hope this has been an encouragement to you and we will see you on the next one so long